Leadership Roundtable with Dr. Conway Edwards. We're so thrilled that you're joining us again today. And today our topic is a huge one, how to recruit and maintain great volunteers, something that every single church needs to be focused in on because volunteers are what literally carry the vision of every single one of our churches and organizations. So we jump into this today. It all starts with culture, I think. It, it absolutely does. But, but let's, let's take a biblical look at it first. One of the challenges I think many communicators and pastors have is we sometimes uh, underestimate the power of the priesthood of the believer. Right. I think God's called everybody in the New Testament to be a priest, which means that every person that sits in the pew today has the responsibility of carrying out and have direct access to God. And because of that, they have their own responsibility and ministry that they need to be carrying out. And one of our jobs as as, as ministers is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so the more we can get our body and the church family engaged, the healthier the church can be. Because for it to accomplish its full redemptive potential, that means every single regular attendee must be using his or her gifts in the body of Christ to advance the kingdom program forward. And I think a lot of churches miss out on that because they, they, they allow it to only be the professionals or the elite few that get to use their gifts in ministry. Right. And one of the things we're trying to do here is just empower pastors and equip them to be able to ignite their body so that everybody can be fully engaged. Yeah, and, and really we get caught up thinking that it's all about doing, 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 doing when it really should be equipping, equipping, leading, leading, helping figure out uh, how God has gifted every single individual under our care. Yeah. And every single one of us sitting here has the power to make an impact. Um, so it, it really, it's, it's, it's culture changing when you make that shift and realize that yeah. it's not all on you as the mm -hmm. pastor and the leader. It's, mm -hmm. it's really on us to equip and get everyone else in the game. But one of the reasons why I think Pastor Matt, some people struggle with it is because they don't know who to go after. They don't know who to select. Mm -hmm. uh, you get one volunteer and then they, they do it half-heartedly and then quit on you. You get another volunteer and then they want to do it their way, mm -hmm. not your way. And so part of the challenge is, is who are we really going after? What season of life mm -hmm. is appropriate for the heavy lifting in the volunteer role mm -hmm. and then the lighter lifting? So uh, recruiting an usher uh, for, for one service is completely different than uh, uh, recruiting somebody for children's ministry for one or two services. That's a completely mm -hmm. different load. And so I think we need to examine who are the ideal volunteers that we should be going after. What do you thought? It's what do you fascinating because I, yeah, I wonder the same thing. How, who do we look for? If we're trying to recruit volunteers in this area, in kids and in children's and in students and in mm -hmm. ushers and leaders and, and coaches, who in the world are we supposed to look for if we're going to find the right people, not just for the mission we have in that area, but also the right fit for the person who's serving? And, and I, think, I think there's some key areas that we can yeah. jump into and, and some very practical things and practical people we can look for when we're trying to figure out who can jump in yeah. and make ministry happen? So what's, what's the first one of those? All right, so we're going to give you about six of those that we think are ideal volunteers to recruit. Be, and really, you're recruiting them because of what we consider the time that they have mm -hmm. to commit to serving in the local church. So the first one we always look for is uh, a single adult, somebody who is single, no kids. Uh, I, I also am convinced that the body of Christ has allowed singles 
to to sit on the sideline and not get right. in the game when I am convinced that the single adults are one of the most potent weapons in God's arsenal. And so we ought to be looking for and, in, and engage young adults, millennials, singles in how are you using your gifts and ability for the glory of God? Uh, what is your why? And helping them understand the why question mm -hmm. so that they can discern what God wants them to do now and what their mission is here on planet Earth. So I think single adults is one of the crucial components and individuals who we should be targeting and going after mm -hmm. and helping them unlock what God's calling them to do in this season. That's definitely right. Number two on the list is anybody who's got a military background. Now, don't miss this. This is no joke. This is serious. Somebody who comes to your church and they have a military background, mm -hmm. they understand so much. They have so much culture naturally programmed into them that others do not. They understand structure. They understand hierarchy. Yeah. They understand, you know what, when I have a mission, I'm not going to let anything get in my way until that mission is complete. Mm -hmm. And some of the greatest people on our team here are people that have come to us uh, with a military background, maybe they're retired military, maybe they've been in the military for mm -hmm. some amount of time. And one of the things that they bring is they just know how to have a warrior spirit about what they do. Yeah. And no, they get authority. That's good. They get structure. There's so many things they get and they get what's important to the mission, and what's not important to the mission. Mm -hmm. They understand who to complain to, who not to complain to. They've got so much naturally built in them from their experience in the military that it makes a huge difference in them serving in ministry and then transferring that to make a difference for the kingdom. So here's how this goes. So as a leadership team, if we're talking to somebody and we hear any one of these phrases come up, mm -hmm. hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a young adult and I'm not so sure what to do, then that means that's like a red light goes on inside of our minds. Come on, we got to talk to this person. We got to take them to the next level. If you hear someone says, yeah, I just got out of the military, that's also uh, a light that goes on in our minds and say, we've got to talk to this guy, take them out. Let's see where they are, where God is leading them and how they might help us move the gospel ball forward. Number three are new believers who are just excited. They just got saved. Uh, they just came into a church. They just got baptized. And there's a renewed sense of excitement that they have about how can I now use my gifts and abilities right to further the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can I get my friends now to get and experience the good news like I have heard from it? And so when you get new believers, what you want to do is get them into some form of a discipleship program so that they know uh, who they are now in Christ, what their identity is, uh, what it looks like to have your own Bible study, what it looks like to walk with God, and then what does it look like to use your gifts and abilities in service? So when new people come, they get saved, they get baptized. One of the things we have them go through in our church is our growth track that, that helps them understand what their gifts and giftings are and how they can use that to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's a big one for us. New believers is huge. Number four is the empty nester. When somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, guess what? The kids just went away to college. The light goes off, right? Yes, it does. Because all of a sudden <laughs> in our culture, we tend to make our kids, uh, what's the best way to say it? Uh, gods, yeah. <laughs> idols. Yeah. idols yeah. And uh, while our kids are home with us, they take up a lot of time because we're mm -hmm. pouring into them. We're helping lead them to Christ. We're also mm -hmm. going to sports. We're doing this. We're doing that. And really our kids become a huge focus on everything we do. Absolutely. And some of it good, some of it not so good. 
But when somebody all of a sudden that 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 uh, their kids have been removed or their kids have gone on to college or that they've moved on, all of a sudden they've got time that's opened up. And I, I mean, I think, too, that a lot of times when couples become empty nesters, that's when they reach some of the biggest struggles in their marriages. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this gives them to be more involved in ministry, a, fas- a, a focus and a passion where they can jump in and be heavily involved with this newfound time that they have and give it back to God and really make a difference. That's awesome. The next one is, no, this is number five, is uh, the individuals in our church who have retired. You've, you've, you've done your time. You've invested. You have the resources. Now you're retired. And we believe that that is the time to get them to pour back into the next generation. As Our church is a younger church, and so when we have individuals that are over 65, we want them to teach the younger generations the lessons that they have learned so that they don't make the same mistakes they made while they were growing up. So we usually try to pair them up in our student ministry, to pair them up in some of our leadership roles to help the younger generation get better. But I'm telling you, you do not want to send them to go play bingo. You don't want to send them to go. You want them engaged in the fabric of the church because they have made some mistakes and they can teach us way more than we think. And so we should engage them. We should call them. We should challenge them to now do what they did in the corporate world in the local church and help us advance the gospel ball forward. Wow. And number six on our list of things we're looking for is anybody who comes in with a ministry background. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's not been hurt in ministry, but somebody who's grown up in ministry or has family in ministry, and they just bring so much more to the table that the person who doesn't, uh, who hasn't had that doesn't bring to the table. I think of uh, individuals at our church that just, uh, they just see it. They just mm-hmm. know that, that church isn't a nine to five type of thing. Yeah. We don't come and punch in and punch out. It's really seeing people through the lens of God. And seeing people through how God sees them through what many would call ministry eyes. And uh, when somebody's got some ministry background, that really makes a difference in preparing them for the load of carrying leadership in ministry. Yeah, No, that's really good. The challenge then, Pastor Matt, is once you get these individuals, they usually are bringing into our culture the culture they're coming from. Right. And if you don't have a very tightly wound organizational culture that you then teach them, then they'll bring their culture and try to change your culture. Mm -hmm. And while changing the culture is not bad, as long as there's a discussion around, here's some adjustments. I've been in the culture a little while. Uh, Here's some things that I think we could tweak to get better. That's appropriate. But but you don't want them to come in and do what they did at their last church, at their last uh, job, and just come into the culture with that. So let's talk a little bit about the culture that you bring volunteers in and how do you train them in that area? Why don't we go through some of the things that we do here at our church? And so you're basically talking about right here, how do we define our culture? Who Uh are we and who are you as a church? So we've got, um, you'll see this in the show notes, some things of volunteers, some some ideas, some principles of volunteers who thrive in our culture. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear a few of these and these are people who thrive And we set this out, not that we've all attained all of these, but these are what we're all aiming toward. This is what we're promoting. This is what we're defending. And if somebody sticks out at our church, it's because there's some holes in some of these different areas. They're not thriving in some of these areas, or they may be struggling or really uh, having a hard time in some of these. So we'll go through these as well and, and let you see what it looks like to define the culture. 
Yeah, no, that's cool. So there are nine, there are nine things, and then there are nine things that we have that we want to share with you today that are vital to volunteers who thrive in our culture. We teach this on the front end, set the expectations well, so that people know if you're going to thrive in here, then these are the things. The, the second thing these are valuable for is whenever there's, there's conflict in our church, it's usually around one of these nine mm -hmm. things, which means no longer is the conflict personal. It is, we talked about this, we believe that you are no longer thriving in this area, and now it becomes a discipleship process. How can we work with you to develop one of these Christ-like traits if you're going to thrive in our culture? And so these nine we have, we think are vital to the health of any church, and so we're just going to go through them right now. The number one is that you're leading from a position of overflow in your relationship with God. Uh, which means we've got to ask and answer the question with all the volunteers. Tell me about your time with God. How are you doing mm -hmm. with your unhurried personal time with God? If you want to have an intimate relationship with God, then you have to have unhurried time with God. And so that becomes vital because when you come to church, you're working from the overflow and you're not working from a depleted state. Because mm -hmm. when you're working from a depleted state, what ultimately happens is somebody can frustrate you and you go into a, a season of conflict where you're ill prepared for it because you're not walking in the spirit. So that's one of the main ones that we think are vital to the health of any church is that people, every volunteer knows you're, you're serving from an overflow. And so if one morning you get up and you're not really um, serving from an overflow, then one of the things we, we would expect you to do is to talk to your ministry leader and say, I'm struggling today. Uh, can, I get, uh, can I get an extra hour off before I come so I can spend some time with God and get right so I can lead from that overflow? Pastor Matt, what else we got? I'd say number two is being teachable. And to be teachable, it means you know that development occurs over time. It's not something that's just in a day. Um, and to be teachable means that we're people who treasure feedback. Hmm. And I tell people on our team that everybody really always says, man, I love good feedback. Yeah. I love feedback until you start to get feedback. <laughs> and what happens when you start to get feedback is all of a sudden it hurts. Yeah. You really want feedback, but then when you really have people around you who you really trust and who you should know have your back, they give you feedback. It can hurt a little bit because what yeah. they're doing is they're exposing a weakness in you and they're showing you an area that you need to grow. And one of the things we've decided as a team is, is we're going to crave feedback yeah. because you know what? I'm just grateful that you even thought to speak the words to share that with me. Right. We see it as a gift. Yes. We just love the gift that you're giving right. us. And when somebody comes and brings information to you that didn't have to, mm -hmm. they were courageous enough to do it. So we, we in, our, in our culture, we say we have to view feedback as a gift and we have to thank the person for loving us mm -hmm. enough to share that with us so we can get better. Right. Because many times they probably didn't want to share it. Mm -hmm. They probably saw something in us that wasn't right. And they probably felt like, you know what, I, I don't know if I want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. So it took courage for them to give us that gift. Yeah, so we good. look for people who are teachable and we try to create a culture where we can be more teachable. Yeah, that's great. Number two, secondly, we look for warrior spirit. That just means, are you a hard worker? If we're going to, if we're going to uh, do something great for God, then, then, it, then we need more than just wimps. We need people who are literally committed to making things happen for the yeah. glory of God. That part of the challenge that we mm -hmm. face oftentimes is that because people have a bad work ethic, 
in their personal life, they often want to bring that into church. And that becomes a great discipleship opportunity for us to challenge them about getting there on time and leaving when it's done, being the first to arrive and the last to leave. That's, that's just mm-hmm. what it means to have a warrior spirit. It means whatever the challenge is in front of us, we're going to go hard after it, give it our best thinking or our best effort for the glory of God so that we can advance the kingdom forward. I think the warrior spirit becomes so vital because you've seen people who come into the church and think, well, at least I'm giving you a little bit of time and they value the church much less than they value their nine to five. And we've got to sometime realign those so people know in everything you do, you do all to the glory of God. You just make me think of Mel Gibson and Braveheart. I just think of Warrior Spirit just on a horse. Ah, I'm just going to go charge no matter what to make this happen. That's right. That's, that's, that, a that's a part of it. That's what warriors do. We get it done. That's right. Uh, so the next part is uh, number, th- number one, two, three, four yeah. is we look for people who love to have fun. So we work hard, but we also play hard. Mm-hmm. And part of our culture is, you know what? We're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're going to remain lighthearted. We can't laugh at ourselves enough. Right. Um, and you know, it, it's, it, it's actually healthy to make light of the challenges that we have in our life <laughs> and, and have fun with that. Because if we don't, it's going to really just mess us up if we internalize it all. <coughs> so let's have fun with it. Yeah. Let's, let's realize we're all not perfect here. We're going to mess up mm-hmm. and others are going to notice it. Why not have, have fun with it here instead of somebody else having fun with it? And then we're going to go out and have fun together too. We're going to have events. We're, we're going to find ways we can go out and play games, go to a game, <laughs> do crazy things like here they have something called whirly ball where we can just slam into each other with bumper cars. And, um, or they're going to make memes of you. They do it all the time in our church. They make memes uh, uh, just to laugh and to have fun and to tease each other. Right. And so uh, Pastor Matt is special at that. He, he creates these memes and then sends it to everybody on our staff, and we have some fun with that. But, but yeah, you got to laugh at each other, and you got to laugh at yourself, and you got to learn how to have fun. So I agree That's with that right. wholeheartedly. That's, right. That's huge. And if you don't like to have fun, then you... Then, then you're not going to fit in our culture because mm-hmm. our culture loves to laugh and we love to laugh right. at ourselves and we love to laugh at each other uh, as we do ministry together. The next one, Pastor Matt, is mission from God. Uh, their service is bigger than themselves and they serve mm-hmm. out of their overflow. The idea here is that we have and we believe that you ought to understand your why and we ought to match what God's calling you to do with what you're doing at our church and in our community. And understanding that becomes the motivation for what you do. Because now you're not just doing something, you're on a mission from God. This is why God left you here. This is your purpose in life and you're fulfilling your calling as we do Mm -hmm. so as a church. And one parenthetical thought here, Pastor Matt, is that as pastors, we have to pursue learning how to give people room so they can thrive in their calling Mm -hmm. and not micromanage everything, but giving them room, going to another level so the people under you can have an opportunity to thrive and fulfill their mission right there in the body of Christ and as a part of your, uh, your, your community of believers as well. What else we got? Next up, reject negativity. Really, you don't have to say a whole lot about that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know the people on your team right now that when they come in the room, everybody cringes because you know a complaint is coming. <laughs> you know the person in your church, the person on your core team, the person on your leadership team, and, and, and all of us just cringe because yeah. we know it's coming. And we're looking for people who reject negativity. 
there, there's so many things we can complain about. Mm-hmm. And as leaders, it's not our job to complain and, 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 and say everything we're against. Let's say, let's, let's talk about what we're for. Mm-hmm. Let's bring solutions to the table. Let's, mm-hmm. let's realize that, that we have a, we have an opportunity to serve here. We have an opportunity to lead here. We have an opportunity to be a part of what yeah. God's doing here. Yeah. And there's no place for negativity because what it really does is it gets in and, and you may think it's just one person on your team that's being negative, but then there's a meeting after the meeting yeah. and negativity just begins to spread throughout yeah. everyone. It's like a virus. Yeah. And we've got to be a people that just go after negativity. And when we hear it, we attack it and we attack it with Bible and we figure out what is the source? What is really the root cause of this? Yeah. And no, how can good. we look for solutions? And we have to use verses like, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, mm-hmm. but that which is profitable. Uh, you've got yes. to make sure you're not the trash can too. So it's one thing for somebody to be negative. It's another thing for the, the person to listen to negativity and be a trash can. And so in your community, not only do you need to challenge the person that's negative, but you also need to challenge the person that's listening to the negativity. Right. And you have to remind them that your job is to speak truth and to love your brother right. and to love your sister mm-hmm. enough to speak truth so that that does not become a habit and a, and a, and a part of the culture of that church. Right. Because negative Activity will drive a wedge in any form of community and it will hinder oneness, which is what John 17 calls us to do. Mm-hmm. So apart from that, the next one is uh, a servant spirit. Now, this one's huge because everybody wants to argue that they're servants until they're treated like a servant. That's right. <laughs> and, so, and so one of the things we try to teach here, and this one is so antithetical to our culture that you've got to teach it over and over and over and over again that our job is to serve. Jesus Christ calls it. He says, John Mark 10, 45, he says, I I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And so that should be the hallmark of the body of Christ that we came and and we're here to serve other people. Mm -hmm. And that means when they treat us like servants and you got to remember servants have no rights. So that whatever they do to us or job, since we're here to serve them, then we can serve them with a smile, no matter how they interacted and treated us. And I think, Matt, Pastor Matt, that's a very, very difficult one for volunteers to catch sometimes. Well, it reminds me, Pastor Conway, of one summer uh, you came to our campus, one of our Louisville campus, uh, one of the satellites of our church. And uh, you said, get all the leaders and volunteers together. We're going to have a leadership training for about the next three oh, weeks. And I got, every, I rallied the troops. Everybody, come on. Pastor Conway's going to teach us leadership. We're going to be ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We got everyone there. And um, a great number of people there and they're ready. And Pastor Conway's in the back talking to our operations and facilities director. And he's saying, get as many trash bags as you can. Because the opening lesson in leadership was everybody, here's a trash bag. We're going to go walk around outside for about 30 minutes and pick up trash. I remember that. And this was the summer. And this is Texas. (laughs) And people had just come from work. Yes. Some women in high heels, too. And we went out. We sure did. And did trash for about 30 minutes. Yes, we did. Why did we do that? Well, again, for a couple of reasons. One is, as you walk in, I'm trying to create a culture where they see through the eyes of a first-time guest. By the way, if you pass anything in your church, anything five times, you'll never see it again. 
So I'm trying to teach your culture, all the volunteers, no matter the campus you're at, the importance of just walking slowly and looking at your environment through the eyes of a guest, which means if you see a trash, if you see paper, if you see weeds, anything, and you're right there, might as well you pick it up. Right. So I do it every single time I walk on our campus. I drive around, and whatever I see out of place, I try to fix it. So if, you're gonna, if you do that and you want that to be normal, in your culture, then then you've got to train and teach people that that's normative for us. It's part of our leadership college as well. They've got to come on a Saturday and volunteer with the operations team, all our leaders, because there is nothing too small. In our culture, we say nobody big, everybody little, including me, including all our pastors. There is nothing, there's no assignment too small for any one of us to do. And I think that's because that's what we see modeled in the New Testament and that's what Jesus did. In light of that, we ought to disciple our people to make sure that they're doing the same thing. And the last one is grateful. So we look for individuals who have an attitude of gratitude, who really embody gratefulness. And that's realizing, you know what? Just no matter what's going on around me, because God has me here, mm -hmm. I'm going to be grateful. Mm -hmm. And instead of all these things, instead of being negative, I'm going to be grateful. I'm yeah. going to be honored. I'm going to I'm going to be intentionally grateful. The Bible says, "Don't be anxious for anything, but in all things give thanks." Yeah. So I'm going to choose to give thanks. I'm not going to complain about the color of the carpet. I'm not going to complain about the style of the chair. I'm not yeah. going to complain if we have a water fountain or not. Yeah. I'm going to be grateful for all the things I do have instead of worrying about the things that I don't have. No, I think that's huge. And I think when you're not grateful, then you're entitled. Yes. And when you're entitled, you're assuming that people owe you things. And right. so I think it's, a, it's the condition of your heart. This one really refers to what's going on in your heart. Mm -hmm. And usually when you, when you check at the bottom, if you're not grateful, then there's a spirit that thinks uh, you owe me something, you ought to give me something, as opposed to I'm grateful that I'm alive, I'm grateful that I'm right. well, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to serve. And we've got to drill that in our volunteers so that there's a spirit of gratitude walking around our, our church. And then, Pastor Matt, I think you left one out. I think you left out self-aware. I don't think we talked about that yet. Self-aware. That's right. Can so accurately see their own flaws and can face the reality of their current situation. That's exactly right. Uh, so when, when we talk about self-aware, what, we <laughs> what we're referencing there is the concept of can I see myself accurately? Can, 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 can I, the perception that I have of myself, is it accurate? And we pursue that hard here, and which is why when people give us feedback, we love it because it helps us to see ourselves accurately. Mm -hmm. You've been around people that that clearly don't see themselves accurately. They don't see that they talk too much. They don't know when to stop mm. and allow somebody else to talk. They don't see that they dominate the conversation. They don't see that they're always quiet and in the corner. And when you don't, that hurts not only you, but everybody else around you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're always dominating the conversation and nobody mm -hmm. else gets to talk, it's only a matter of time before you realize nobody wants to be around you. Uh, Matt, Pastor Matt, you've seen this one. It's like when somebody walks in and they don't know that their breath stink. Uh, come on now. You know what happens. Then That's people are, are backing off of it. And if you're not aware of it, you want the community to be able to speak into that and help you out. Right. And that's part of the reason we have what we're talking about here is so that we can be self-aware about mm -hmm. what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. Yeah. What does it look like on our team when somebody's struggling in one of these areas or two or three areas? How, how do we how do we use this tool so we know all of these different things? How that's do we good. then identify what's going on? That's great. Uh, so let's say somebody's being negative or somebody is 
complaining, and they they might even couch it in 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 the in in the phrase of "Hey, well, can you pray with me because I'm struggling with somebody?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of going Matthew 18 and going to the person to have the conversation, they they go to somebody else and mm-hmm. ask them to help them pray for them. So when that shows up, that it's our job to say, uh, I, "I know what you I know what you were intending to do." But either you know it or you didn't know that that was that was being negative to somebody else mm-hmm. that that did not need to know what their thoughts, what the person's thoughts were about the person that they never wanted to talk to. So in those situations, I think we challenge them to go to the person directly mm-hmm. and not to spiritualize the negativity, but mm-hmm. to go to them directly and have the conversation. And so what that looks like is we'll go to the person and say, hey, let's go have a conversation with the person right. that you, that really offended you or hurt you. And let's talk about it instead of asking somebody else through prayer to talk about it with them. So good. That makes sense. And as leaders, we should all be identifying which one of these am I strongest in? Which am I weakest in? Where do I need to be growing? Where do I need accountability? Where do I need people to point this out when I'm struggling in one of these areas? So this is the culture. That's it. This is what we're defining. This is what we're defending, promoting. That's it. How do we do that? So we've got a culture. We've got volunteers. We've found the right people. How do we put it all together? All right. So, so uh, let me give you an average Sunday in our church. Let's say somebody walks down, they want some prayer, and I'm talking to them, and I'm praying for them after church, and then we just have a conversation. And they say, hey, you know what? Just got out of the military and just looking for a place to go. Mm-hmm. Then, then th- that, here we go, lights went on. So now it's a military guy. Hey, man, can we go to lunch a little later on? today or this week mm-hmm. or whenever. So then I try to go to without Jim and say, tell me a little bit about your story. I want to hear what has God been doing in your life to this point? Why am I doing that? Because I'm trying to connect what's God been doing mm-hmm. to where the person is now and then what might their role be here in our body of believers. And so usually they'll tell me the story and then say, hey, why don't you just start by going through a growth track, which is a four-week process where they get to know their gifts, abilities, a little bit of our culture. And then after they come out of that, then we'll, we'll put them to try serving in an area of ministry and seeing if that's where they want to be. Mm-hmm. If they know what God's calling them to do, then we put them in that area. If they're unsure, then we give them a couple of options for them to explore. And then as we meet, as those volunteer teams meet, then they go over these cultural tools so that people know who we are, how we excel, how we thrive, how we work, so that there are no unexpected surprises along the journey. What are you thinking? That's so good. Uh, I I think it's, it's a process we all have to be figuring out and we all have to be intentional on walking somebody from mm-hmm. beginning from identification then to to the path of training and, and getting to know the person yeah really we're connecting we're getting to know them and then we're matching them to the right area That's good. we're doing all of those pieces and and then and then building and growing in the culture that we have as a church as an organization yeah. so we challenge you as you're listening to this to figure out and define if you have you can take what we've shared today you may want to change some of it around to fit who your culture is but really to begin to define what is the culture of our church? Who are we striving to be? And then how are we doing on finding the right people? Awesome, dude. Because when we find the wrong people. <laughs> That's right. It just doesn't set work. you back all day. <laughs> and we spend more time trying to get rid of the wrong people than we do trying to find the right people yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So I think it makes a difference if we can, if we can pause and say, here's who we're looking for and mm-hmm. here's the culture we're trying to create. 
and it's going to make a difference in your church and in your organization. Absolutely. I hope that was helpful, man. But really, the reason you want to go after very particular volunteers is because they have the time and the bandwidth right. to carry the load of ministry. If you get uh, a couple with two young kids, uh, they just don't have the time. Right. And so you want to give them a pass. Okay, come to church. If you can serve as an usher or a greeter, that's fine. But if you're going to give these volunteers a little bit of load to carry, then they've got to have the bandwidth and time. Mm -hmm. And those uh, six qualities uh, are what you need to pursue. I think it's been extraordinarily beneficial to us as a church, and I hope it will benefit, be beneficial to you guys too. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks, we'll see you next time.